Welcome to my mommy's podcast. This podcast is brought to you by SteadyMD. I've been using this company for the past year and I love them. Here's how it works. Instead of having a primary doctor that you have to make an appointment to see, wait for hours in the office to visit, you can now have your doctor available whenever you need him or her through your phone. SteadyMD has a staff of doctors who are available via call, text, or video chat whenever you need them so they respond quickly and they already know your medical history. You get paired with a single doctor so you can work with them as a long-term partner for your health. They're well-versed in lab testing, preventative health, and functional medicine, and they are great for those random, obscure, off-hours medical questions so you don't have to run to urgent care. You can check them out and see if they are right for you by visiting steadymd.com forward slash WM. That's S-T-E-A-D-Y-M-D.com forward slash WM. They do have limited spots available, so I check them out quickly if you're interested. This podcast is brought to you by Beekeepers Naturals. Humans have been benefiting from bees and their nourishing superfoods since prehistoric times. From Cleopatra using honey to keep her youthful glow, to Hippocrates prescribing propolis to cure everything from sores to bacterial infection, our healing relationship with bees goes way back. Beekeepers Naturals is dedicated to bringing the age-old benefits of bee products into modern times, and they offer really high-quality propolis, royal jelly, bee pollen, and raw honey, with many other products, and all of these are sustainably sourced from a company that's dedicated to protecting and improving the bee population. My personal favorites are their propolis spray, which helped me to head off a scratchy throat, and their bee elixir mix, which is a mixture of all of those ingredients, and it's a natural nootropic that I use on busy days. You can check them out at wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash beekeepers, all one word, wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash beekeepers. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Moms Podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com and this episode is super important if you have kids because I am here with a certified American Red Cross water safety instructor. Josh Spears grew up in a family of lifeguards and it was always around the water from a very young age. Josh worked as a lifeguard in high school and after having to pull multiple children out of the water, he became passionate about preventing drowning and became a water safety instructor through the American Red Cross. He has now taught hundreds of kids to swim and has also taught many parents to teach their own children to swim without stress or fear. And we're going to dive into all of that today and how to keep your kids safe in and around water. So Josh, welcome and thanks for being here. Great. Thanks so much, Katie. Thanks for having me. Of course. I think this is such an important topic. And obviously there's so many questions I want to ask you and get into the really practical stuff of how can we all as parents keep our kids safe. But first, I always love to hear your story. So um, how did you, how did this become such an important issue to you? Yeah, good question. So this started years ago, um, kind of like you mentioned, growing up uh, as a lifeguard, water safety instructor, et cetera, I've always had a deep love for water. I think water just makes everything better, whether it be social time, family reunions, et cetera. I just think it's, it just helps to get people relaxing and just takes their mind off a lot of things and puts them a little bit more just in the present moment. So I've really just been passionate about water for a long time, certified through Patty, scuba diving, you know, some experience on a swim team, et cetera. And so I've always been passionate about water. In regards to water safety and even just helping parents or equipping parents to teach their kids how to swim, uh, there was an event that happened some years ago. I was actually on vacation with uh, some family members 
and we were uh, hanging out at the hotel pool. Uh, we were swimming, having a good time, and I saw this father um, working with his son, trying to teach him how to swim. And you could visibly see the frustration on the father's face. You could see the fear and frustration on the child's face. And I, you know, I kind of debated. I went back and forth. I was like, you know, should I offer a couple tips? I don't want to overstep and, and interfere in someone's family life and and you know, father son moment. But after a few minutes, I was like, man, it's just really painful to watch. And so I went over and I said, hey, you know, do you mind if I share a couple tips? I, I noticed you were working with your son and and um, trying to teach him a couple things. I've helped a few kids in the past learn how to swim, and I've helped parents uh, working with their kids. Do you mind if I offer a couple tips? And he looked at me with a sign of relief on his face, and uh, he's like, absolutely. So I jumped in and just offered some really basic, uh, basic tips as far as, you know, floating on the back, um, just even how to kick correctly, and uh, blowing bubbles, just a few really basic things. And um, within gosh, maybe 15 minutes, he made more progress than the previous half hour, hour, whatever it was that his father had been working with him. Um, and he was so much more relaxed. And the father, you know, he looked at me, he's like, man, thank you so much. And um, I could just see he was a lot more relieved as well. And it really kind of made me think, man, just impacting one parent's life um, with a couple tips, 10, 15 minutes, what could you do if you created a course or a program that would teach parents um, the same simple skills and concepts, but through a more of an online format so that you could reach out to a lot of people? And uh, so that was kind of the moment that got the wheels turning. Um, and it wasn't until the last couple of years that I really looked at it a little bit more intensely. Uh, in fact, probably three years ago, uh, I was working with some kids and I, and I kind of laughed to myself as I was teaching. I realized that I do the same five steps for every student. And no matter if it's a child or adult, uh, it's the fi same five steps. And uh, it doesn't change. You learn these steps and you learn how to swim. Yeah, I love so much about what you just said. And I want to unpack so much of that. But first, I have to say, I totally agree with you about the water making everything more fun. I'm also Patty certified and love the water. And I think it's innate to humans. So many of us, we feel this pull toward the water and especially toward the ocean and to like lakes and bodies of water. And now we know there's so many cool health benefits of being in the water, like especially in the ocean, you're getting magnesium, you're getting grounding, you're getting vitamin D. Like there's a really strong physical reason that we crave water. Um, but I also know that for parents, it can be a really stressful thing because we know the statistics. We know that, um, at least from what I've read, you can probably clarify this, that accidental drowning is one of the leading causes of death in children. And so I think that maybe like the father who was so frustrated, it probably there was some fear there because it is such a big issue. It's so important that our kids do learn how to be safe around the water. And I'm sure you saw that firsthand as a lifeguard, what happens when kids aren't taught water safety or they're reckless around the water. Um, so as a parent, I'd love to, to look, go deeper into this. Why do you think um, accidental drowning is such a big issue in today's world? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with what you said, um, especially in regards to the health benefits of water, but even just the the stress that the parents pick up on around water. So I don't know if you heard... Um, just a few weeks ago, Bodie Miller, an Olympian, uh, alpine skier, 
uh, his, I believe, 19-month-old daughter drowned. And it was a very um, really sad situation, but a very all-too-common situation where um, I guess the mother was over at a neighbor's house. They had a pool and looked down. I guess she was inside the house, you know, visiting with her neighbor, um, looked down. And this was a very short period of time. And she said, wait a minute, where's my daughter? So she immediately went outside to the backyard and her daughter had fallen in and drowned. And I think that's a big reason why there's so much of that fear in regards to parents around the water, because it only takes an instant. Like it, it can happen so quickly. Um, yeah, you mentioned one of the leading causes of death. Yeah, according to the CD, uh, I'm sorry, uh, World Health Organization, it's the third leading cause of unintended death. Uh, so it's a really big issue and it's one of those things that I really believe a lot of these drownings could be prevented if we had a little bit better, uh, education and not just with kids, but also parents, you know, some different ways to keep our kids safe. Uh, I heard a story, uh, from one of my friends, uh, the other day and very similar to what happened to Bodie Miller. It was, a uh, gosh some kind of family get together, family reunion, et cetera. Um, a lot of family members together. I think they had some friends over also. They were having kind of a pool party, barbecue type deal. And one of the kids um, drowned. And what happened was everyone's socializing and parents are talking to other parents and thinking that, oh, well, the older cousin is in the pool watching or uncle so-and-so is watching or you know, my neighbor is watching the kids. And in a lot of ways, shame on us as the parents to assume someone else is watching our kids. So I, I think there's a lot of things that we can do a better job as parents. First of all, if you're in a setting like that, where there's a lot of other kids, other family members, never assume that someone else is going to watch your child. And also know, know the setup of the pool, know the setup of well, even your child's ability, like, should they be farther off the steps or farther from the wall? If not, then, you know, you may have to rein them in and, and you know, uh, watch them a lot more closely. So I think there's a lot of factors that go into that. Um, but just like you mentioned, it is a really big issue for parents because it is such a there is such a high uh, drowning incidence, especially in the U.S., I think that's such a good point. And you said something really important. You said like the parents' attitude and their response is really important. And I'd love to go deeper on that. Um, like really understanding that connection of um, what are some things that we can do as parents in, in our attitude in and around the water. Um, I know for me, at least, um, my mom had or witnessed a really traumatic water experience when she was young. And so she had a pretty much lifelong fear of the water. And I'm really grateful that she didn't pass that on to us. She made sure we had swim lessons and spent lots of time in the water. Um, but I know like, like you talked about, there can be these experiences or um, family, like pass down emotions from family members that really make it hard to overcome. So I'm curious, first of all, if you could tackle like how important is it that as parents, our attitude around the water and how we portray that? And then the secondary stat would be what are things we can do to make sure that we're passing on a healthy attitude and respect for the water? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So percentage wise, there's, there's a very high percentage of people. I can't remember off the top of my head, but a very high percentage of people that have had a near drowning experience. And if you've had that, you tend to take that fear into your 
parenting. So it's always don't go near the water or um, make sure you've got your life vest or some of these things, which don't get me wrong. I think in and of themselves are good. You should have a life vest if you're water sports and some of these other things. But for parents, when they're talking about water, you need to consciously stop and, and you know ask yourself, how am I portraying this? Am, am I making it sound like a really fearful, um, frightening thing? Or am I making it sound like a fun event and something that's going to help instill confidence in the child and very good memories around water in regards to family, friends, etc. So one thing that I've seen is that parents that instill that, that, that fear in uh, the kids, it takes a lot of work to break through that fear in the child, especially as you're trying to teach them to get comfortable in the water, stop tensing up and because it's hard to swim when you're tensed up and fearful. So part of what I encourage parents to do is keep it fun. And there's a lot of different ways you can do that. One, you know, try to take your fear out of the equation. And that's why, you know, teaching the child how to swim is so important. And if, if you the parent, if you don't know how to swim, then I would say definitely get comfortable with the water and learn how to swim yourself, because that's going to help eliminate some of that fear. Um, and that's also going to show the child that, hey, my parent is in the water, having a good time. OK, I can do that, too. So um, I would say, you know, be really careful about the conversations you're having. Make sure that it's not fear based. Also, make it really fun. So have games around the water. Um, maybe have snacks that you're not always enjoying uh, just so that those early memories around the water are positive and not fear-based. So that's what I would say in regards to that. And uh, tell me the second part of the question. I feel like you probably already tackled most of it, but just practical things that parents can do to make sure that they're keeping their own attitude, like you said, positive so that we're not passing on that fear. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think those are the main points in regards to that. Um, just keeping it fun, positive associations and, um, more education with the parents. One thing I did want to touch on, because yeah, I mentioned the life jackets, I see a lot of parents put their kids in the little puddle jumpers or water wings, um, life jackets, those types of things. And then they just let them go in the water. And I've never been a big fan of those for a couple reasons. Um, one is it, it puts the child in a vertical position. And if you're learning to swim, that's really hard, especially if you've been trained to stay in that vertical position because you want to be in a horizontal position when you're swimming. So I've also experienced, and this was from, you know, years as a lifeguard and some of these other things I've done where the children was, or the child was so accustomed to being in a life jacket, puddle jumper, water wings, et cetera, that they would jump in the water thinking that they were going to come right back up and float and didn't because they didn't have the life jacket on. And um, so I've seen more negative come from wearing these devices, especially at a young age um, versus not. Now, with that being said, as parents, we have to be on top of our kids a little bit more in regards to watching them and paying attention to what they're doing in the water. Um, and so I totally understand it does give parents peace of mind when they do have life jackets, puddle jumper, jumpers on um, the pool. But 
it's also teaching bad skills. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen this happen where the kids got so used to it, jumped in the water thinking they had it on and went straight to the bottom. And so that's another reason why I encourage not using those and instead teaching swimming skills in place of that. That's a great point. And I think of it almost like with teaching kids to ride a bike, because I've also never been a fan of training wheels for that same reason. So we've always defaulted to like the balance bikes, which at least they still, they're propelling themselves with their feet. It doesn't have pedals yet, but they're not, there's nothing holding them up. They have to learn that balance themselves. And it makes total sense exactly what you're saying, that if they learn and their whole positioning and everything, they get comfortable in the water in this one way. And then it gets so much more scary when they have to change the way that they're floating and the angle that they're at and their faces in the water more. And they're not used to that. It can seem even more intimidating, I would guess. Um, and I think something else you said is super important, not just even in the water, but across all aspects of parenting. Um, because I think, especially in the water, and certainly we should be cautious and respectful of the water because it, it can be uh, very powerful. But I see so many parents that default to like the be careful, be careful, be careful constantly in parenting in general, but especially around the water. And I had a recent, another podcast interview with a children's mental health expert. And basically there was this idea that um, challenging and even quote unquote scary experiences are actually really important for kids. If it's something that they are afraid of in theory, they actually need to experience in a loving way with obviously parental support, but experience it and overcome it because we kind of... I think maybe have this idea as parents that if um, if our kids have a scary experience, they're going to develop a phobia. And what the researcher was saying is that this is actually the opposite is true. When kids are allowed to avoid an experience that's challenging or scary, they develop the phobia then because it's an unknown and it's scary to them. Whereas when they conquer it, like all of us as adults probably are nodding our heads, when you conquered it, it's no longer scary because you understand it and you have skills and you've learned. And I feel like maybe in the water especially, that's such an important thing. So I'm curious, um, what age do you recommend getting kids started in the water? No, that's awesome. I was literally nodding my head the whole time as you were talking about that. I, I totally agree. So in regards to what age, as early as possible, what's crazy is kids are drawn to the water and they they naturally know how to swim if you take a really young child put them in the water their natural inclination is to kick so I, I say as early as possible get them in the water so they're comfortable you know hold them close so they feel safe and and um and then as they get more comfortable um then you can start teaching them some other skills but uh, we've had kids at a very young age, less than two years old, able to swim. And a lot of people look like, oh, that's crazy. Well, these were also parents that understood these, the importance of swimming and just how the more exposure to water and, and, and in a proper manner, the better. So that, you know, these kids at less than two years old are so comfortable and are swimming like fish. So at a very young age. I mean, a lot of times um, in the past when we were work, work with parents, we'd say three months is great, but we've had, you know, three to six months is kind of a, a, a happy, like, like a good point where parents feel a little bit more confident now with their child and, you know, understand that they're not going to break <laughs> the child, uh, that type of thing, getting them in the water and then really just getting them comfortable with it. Now, at that, at that young age, you want to make sure that the water temperature is a little warmer, typically. That helps with their comfort. 
but um, yeah, just you know, taking them through the water, encouraging them to kick a little bit, getting comfortable on their back, getting a little water in their face. Those types of things are great, especially at a really young age. And it just helps to lay that foundation for swimming. Yeah, that makes total sense. And so I want to go deeper on the idea of swim lessons because I have used your system and my two-year-old is swimming, which is so much fun. Um, but I'm curious on a higher level of that, um, just on the topic of swim lessons in general, how big of a difference do they make as far as children being safe around the water? Um, I know that the, like, the flip side of that is we can't just assume that because our kids have had swim lessons, we don't have to watch them. You still always have to make sure we're very alert, like you said, of our kids around the water. Um, but I'm curious from all your experience teaching swim lessons, um, do you see that data play out that the kids having more of these skills in the water? can reduce that risk of accidental drowning? I, I absolutely do. Uh, there's a situation that really comes to mind. Um, and this was a child that was, gosh, I think he was just over two years old. So, so somewhere between two and three years old. So he was young. He had fallen in. And we one of the things we teach him is if you fall in, how to get to the side and how to climb out of the pool. And he did that exactly. Fell in. Um, I think the the situation was they were his parents were around and I guess they were by the pool. I don't know if he tripped. Something happened anyway. He ended up in the water and right away the the training kicked in and so he was able to get to the side. So yes, we we have seen uh, that happen multiple times where the skills that they were taught it kicks in when you know a situation arises they fall in or fall off a float or whatever the case might be. And instead of just panicking, um, they go to those skills that they learned and they're able to get to the side, get to safety. So yes, we have definitely seen a, a, a correlation with swimming and, and safety. Uh, the other thing that we really tie into is the water safety skills um, as far as just respecting water and uh, being around it and that type of thing as well. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And I know that like now that I live pretty close to water, that's one thing I always notice. And it's humbling, even as an adult with who's a strong swimmer, um, like truly, especially the ocean, the water is so powerful. And it reminds you like how small and insignificant we actually are compared to something that massive. And I think that is an important point. We always have to keep that respect. And another thing I, that you can probably speak to with the lifeguarding background and water safety instructor is, um, I know I've seen things online about how drowning doesn't always look like what we think of with drowning. And most likely your kid's not going to be flailing around and screaming for help a lot of times. Um, but can you speak to that? Because I know like the stories you mentioned, and I've seen this as well, like in community pools where a child went under and kind of just started drifting away right next to a parent. There was no screaming and kicking and thrashing around where the mom knew. It just, they are so quiet. And obviously, thankfully, we all jumped in and the, the kid was fine. But I feel like that's maybe a misconception that's worth speaking to is that it's not like the movies. They're not going to be like necessarily flailing around. And that's why we have to be so alert. Yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right. Uh, one thing that I was really surprised by when I first took um, the lifeguarding course when I was, gosh, I guess 16, they said the reason that lifeguards call breaks, it's not really so much for the lifeguard. I mean, it is some for the lifeguards, but it's more for the kids because they get so tired swimming, playing, not even realizing it. So that all of a sudden, you know, the kid's been going hard for, you know, an hour or what have you. And then they're in the middle of the pool. All of a sudden, they're super fatigued and they can't make it back. 
And so what you're saying in regards to, yes, drowning doesn't always look like what we see in the movies. Um, there was a situation where kid went down a water slide and it was kind of the same thing where he was already fatigued. Um, it was close to the time to call break and goes off the water slide and then realizes, whoa, I'm, I'm tired. I'm not making it back and um, goes under. Luckily, I saw it. And so I was able to jump in and, and pull him out. And he was totally fine. But um, it wasn't as as exciting, I guess, as you see in the movies where they're yelling, they're splashing, they're making a big commotion. It was really subtle. So that's another great point, Katie, where as parents, we got to acknowledge that, you know, just because our child's not screaming, help, help, you know, um, doesn't mean they're not in trouble. Uh, so once again, just more um, awareness on the parent side can make a huge difference. Absolutely. And I definitely would say by all means, I consider myself more of the like free range, not overprotective parent. But I would say like water is the one place that you do want eyes on them the whole time. Uh, for all the reasons we've talked about. That doesn't mean they shouldn't play. And I'm all about my kids going down slides and jumping off the side and diving and all that, but I'm still going to watch them. Because um, right. in the water, it's truly like seconds make such a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been taking some notes, but I'm curious if you kind of have any other general guidelines that you would recommend that parents always keep in mind. So obviously, not being on our cell phone, paying attention to the kids. I love that you talk about not using um, kind of life jackets and puddle jumpers as crutches when they're young. I would guess also the basics, like lifeguards are always saying, don't run near the pool because you can fall and bump your head and then it doesn't matter if you can swim, things like that. But are there other general guidelines that you would recommend that parents really keep in mind? Yeah, I think there's a couple. So yeah, just what you said, you know, parents not being on their phone, being aware. And uh, one thing that lifeguards are always taught to do is scan the pool. So, you know, you start at one side, go to the next, depending on the size of the pool, sometimes you're counting, um, swimmers, some of those things. So I would encourage parents to constantly be scanning the pool also. And you can still visit with friends, family, and uh, engage in conversation, but you still just have to be aware. So one thing that I tell parents is make sure your back is never to the pool, especially if your child's in the pool. You want to make sure that you're able to see the surroundings. And that way, in case something does happen, you're there, you're able to see it, you can respond quickly. Um, so that's one thing. Um, in regards to some other keys with water safety, I always encourage people, if you have a pool at your house, have a gate around it. Uh, now, not that that's a foolproof safety measure, but it does help considerably. Uh, the other thing that I really encourage people to do is get an alarm. They have a few different uh, types of alarms now that if something breaks the surface of the water, it goes off and it can alert the whole house. Those are great. Especially, you know, you're inside and every everybody should be inside. All of a sudden you hear something, uh, you hear the alarm and think, okay, that's not good. You run out there and it can really help to prevent some of those um, drownings. Um, so those are a couple things that I really, uh, I'm really big on. The other thing that I, I like to mention to parents is if you are participating in water sports, like if you're boating, if you're, you know, water skiing, jet ski, whatever, make sure you do have the proper safety equipment, like U.S. Coast Guard approved life vest, and make sure that as far as, well, and not just kids, also adults, I'm, I'm a big proponent of this, is the buddy system, so that you're not swimming alone. 
I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. She was a competitive swimmer and a water polo uh, player. And one thing that we we were just talking about water safety and different things. She said, the one thing that um, a lot of people don't take into account is if you're swimming by yourself, how easy it is to just fatigue yourself and you may cramp up and some of these other things that can happen. And uh, if you're in the middle of a lake or pool in some cases, and, and you know, th- that can be a bad situation. So it's always better to swim with somebody, to have someone with you just in case you do get into trouble. And even if you're a fantastic swimmer, these things can still happen. Um, I remember hearing a story, um, somebody else I know was a lifeguard and this happened at their pool. Um, there was a competitive swimmer. Uh, he had a great reputation, fast, you know, very efficient in the water, really good at knowing his limits. Well, one thing he would do, he would practice holding his breath and he would swim on the bottom and go from one side to the next and just keep kind of pushing the limit to see how far he could go. Well, one day um, when he was practicing this, something happened. And, and so uh, the lifeguard saw him at the bottom. At first, they thought he was just playing around. And then they're like, wait a minute, this is, this is not good. So jumped in, pulled him out, and um, they were able to revive him and, and save him. But it's always important to have a buddy, have somebody that you're swimming with just in case something happens. Yeah, absolutely. Because you hear that, unfortunately, all too often of Olympians, competitive swimmers, people who obviously know what they're doing in the water, um, having water accidents or even drowning when they're on vacation with family or just swimming. And it is a good reminder that none of us are immune to that. It doesn't matter. And I think the same thing with like the life jackets. I totally get your point. Like kids don't need them in the pool when we're there with them. But if you're doing open water sports, absolutely every like adult should be wearing them too. And I think that's a super good time that parents have to set the good example too. Um, super important. This podcast is brought to you by SteadyMD. I've been using this company for the past year and I love them. Here's how it works. Instead of having a primary doctor that you have to make an appointment to see, wait for hours in the office to visit, you can now have your doctor available whenever you need him or her through your phone. SteadyMD has a staff of doctors who are available via call, text, or video chat whenever you need them so they respond quickly and they already know your medical history. You get paired with a single doctor so you can work with them as a long-term partner for your health. They're well-versed in lab testing, preventative health, and functional medicine, and they are great for those random, obscure, off-hours medical questions so you don't have to run to urgent care. You can check them out and see if they are right for you by visiting SteadyMD.com forward slash WM. That's S-T-E-A-D-Y-M-D.com forward slash WM. They do have limited spots available, so I check them out quickly if you're interested. This podcast is brought to you by Beekeepers Naturals. Humans have been benefiting from bees and their nourishing superfoods since prehistoric times. From Cleopatra using honey to keep her youthful glow, to Hippocrates prescribing propolis to cure everything from sores to bacterial infection, our healing relationship with bees goes way back. Beekeepers Naturals is dedicated to bringing the age-old benefits of bee products into modern times, and they offer really high-quality propolis, royal jelly, bee pollen, and raw honey with many other products, and all of these are sustainably sourced from a company that's dedicated to protecting and improving the bee population. 
My personal favorites are their propolis spray, which helped me to head off a scratchy throat, and their Beelixir mix, which is a mixture of all of those ingredients, and it's a natural nootropic that I use on busy days. You can check them out at wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash beekeepers, all one word, wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash beekeepers. Uh, Another thing, okay, so I feel like a lot of times parents um, think of swim lessons as something really difficult and it's something they want to outsource because they don't know how to do it. And it can seem really daunting to teach kids how to swim, especially like we already established there's so much on the line. Like uh, the risk of failure is a big deal when you're talking about the water. Um, And you have, that's what, what I loved about your course. That's why I wanted to talk to you. So explain to me, why do you think parents are great swim lesson teachers for their own kids and why um, that's a great way to teach the kids to swim? Yeah. So, and that's a really good question. I've, I've heard the comment from parents be like, you know, I just, I wanted to take my kids to someone else to teach them. And, and I understand that. And in a lot of ways, I'm probably calling out people and even myself in a lot of ways, you know, I, I have two kids and, um, I think in a lot of ways it's a cop out where it's easier in a certain sense to say, Hey, you teach my child this. And a lot of times it's because of fear not feeling like the parents were able to, because I had so many parents say, I would love to teach my child how to swim. I just don't know how. I just don't know how to teach them. And and I totally get that. You know, you, you want to make sure, especially with the life-saving skill like swimming, you want to make sure that they have a good instructor, that they're learning the right skills, that they're not developing bad habits. So one of the reasons why I think parents are the right person to teach your child how to swim, if you think about it, we're our parent, or we as parents are our child's first teacher. So we teach them how to eat, how to shower, how to brush your teeth, how to go to the bathroom, um, how to talk. Like we teach them all of these different things. Why not teach them how to swim? And if you look at it, typically our kids trust us as parents more than anybody else in the world. So it makes sense to put them with someone they already trust to teach them these very valuable life-saving skills. So that's a big reason why I'm such a proponent of this. Studies have also shown that it helps with bonding, parent-child, develops a lot of great memories so that um, I've had older students that say, yeah, you know, like some of my favorite memories are in the pool, hanging out with my parents, playing. And so it really does a lot of good, not just for the, um, not just for that bond, but also for the emotional, the the physical, and even the mental, it develops some confidence, um, in both the parent and child. And, uh, you can create some incredible memories, um, with your family. Yeah, for sure. I love that. And I'd love for you to just talk a little bit more about the course um, because one of my favorite things is how efficient it is. I feel like I didn't have to watch hours and hours of video. It wasn't like I had to go get certified to be a water safety instructor. Um, Like you said, it's like these five steps. They're super simple. You can watch one a day and implement it and it's not hard or um, daunting at all, but kind of walk us through that and how you found this five-step approach. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I mentioned it earlier. Um, a few years ago, I was teaching a child how to swim, and, and I stopped, and I kind of laughed to myself. I thought, man, I do the same five steps with everyone, with everyone. And I realized some years ago that 
most things in life are pretty simple. We complicate things. But if you can break something down to five steps, something that anybody can do, it just makes learning that skill so much easier and quicker. Malcolm Gladwell talks about uh, 10,000 hours to master any skill. Some other people have kind of um, debated that, talked about that. And uh, I can't remember who it was now, but and you might remember who, Katie, but uh, they said that 20 hours gets you really efficient at most skills. And so the course is not even designed to be a 20-hour course. I, I tell people, though, uh, the more exposure you get with your child in the water, the better. Um, so you're just learning the basics. Are you going to be a, an Olympic swimmer after the course? No, that's not what it's designed for. But it's laying that foundation. It's teaching you the basic steps to swimming. So when we recorded the videos, we went through tons of footage. And I looked at it and I thought, you know, uh, this is great. But I'm a parent. And I want something that's going to be short, sweet, to the point, something that I'm not going to have to spend tons of time learning, watching, reading over. And so we essentially stripped out everything else that wasn't necessary and put the basic um, best content that we could in the videos. So five steps, videos with uh, instructions. So talking through it, giving demonstration. Uh, and then there's also a PDF that goes with it. So depending on your learning style, you've got the audio, you get to see the, the hands-on, and then you can also read um, through the PDF format as well. Yeah, I loved that part because as a mom, and I'm sure you, you're married, so you can probably attest to this with your wife, but moms are some of the busiest people on the planet. So I loved that I didn't have to get a PhD in understanding everything about the water. I could just learn how to teach my kid to swim. And like I said, I did it with my two-year-old. Like the five steps took me five days, but then within two weeks, she was totally comfortable in the water. And uh, it was a good reminder to like make sure I keep my eyes on her because now she'll just go jump in and swim and she loves it. So uh, I really appreciate that you kept it efficient because moms are super busy. Yeah, no, and, and I totally relate to that. Our, our daughter is two years old, and she's the same way. Now that they, you know, they get to this point where um, they get past the fear and they get the uncomfortableness of maybe laying on your back or facing the water, that type of thing, and then they're gung-ho. So it, it's kind of that double-edged sword in a lot of ways where now they're able to really move in the water, but they're still young, so you really got to watch them but it's fun to see them take off and just learn these skills. And in such a really a relatively short period of time and just following some basic steps. Yeah, for sure. I, I think um, maybe you actually would have a better sense of this, but it seems like with my kids that the earlier you get them exposed to the water and start teaching them, like you said, even when they're little newborns, you can do it. Um, the less fear they seem to have in general. I think kids are naturally wired not to have that much fear. They're naturally wired for adventure. And we're, maybe we instill the fear in them a little too often. I totally agree with that. So this is kind of a funny story. My So my, my wife was not um, around water a lot as a child. And so at an early age, our, our older, our oldest son, I'd get water in his eyes. And of course, when they're young, they don't love it, but they just have to get used to it. And so come bath time, my wife didn't understand this philosophy. And so she would bring a towel to him. So when I had him in the pool and all of a sudden he'd be asking for a towel and thinking, where is this coming from? Like, I've never said, oh, here's a towel. 
And then after talking to my wife, she's like, oh, yeah, that's me. I was giving him a towel, bath time, this, that, whatever. I was like, no, like that's not what you want to do at all. So we had to change some of that. Now he, he loves the water and you know doesn't care at all. Water's in his eyes, any of that. But for our daughter, my wife understood this is how we get him comfortable with water in the eyes and the face. And so right off the bat, like she would kind of blink a little bit, sometimes cry initially, but then after a very short period of time, she was totally fine. And so you're right. There's a lot of these fearful ideas that we get where we're thinking, oh, that's uncomfortable. Let's, let's try to change that. No, that's good. You want them to be uncomfortable initially, kind of like you talked about earlier on. Some of these things that we're afraid of, we do, and then we remove that fear because we've done it. And uh, so, yeah, that, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. And I think those early skills are so important because they build and like even just the little things like being comfortable with water in your eyes. Um, I have a now almost 12 year old who has the adventure streak so much and is in junior lifeguard. He's Patty certified now. And I remember when he got certified to scuba dive, you have to go down to like 35 feet and then clear your mask where you'd have to take your mask off, put it back on underwater and then clear it so you can see again. And I think I was more nervous than he was. And he just did it. He didn't care if he had water in his face. He was totally fine. Um, and I'm like, see, it's building on those skills because he's never been afraid to have water in his face. He's been doing that since he was two. Um, but it's just, it's interesting to see. And I think like to your point, it's so important to teach these skills and reinforce them early because kids do have that natural sense of adventure. And I'm like, sitting on my hands and biting my tongue now that my kids are approaching the teenage years to not be the mom going, be careful, because I want them to have those adventures. But it's such a good reminder to make sure that we just instill the good skills early so that they're safe when they have these adventures. Oh, no, I, I totally agree. It's funny. I was, I was talking to a buddy of mine yesterday, and um, somehow it came up cliff jumping and, and other water activities and all these things. And it does make you think, like, think of all these things that I did and I've got to be okay with my child doing these things as well. And we were talking about just different um, different components of water and where, you know, when, you, when you're in high school, you're not really thinking, is this safe or not? Uh, you're thinking, is this going to be fun? And so once again, going back to those early skills that you're teaching, you're still teaching them water safety. So yeah, cliff jumping is great. Make sure you're not jumping on rocks. Make sure that you're not doing some of these things. So yeah, the, the, the foundation you lay at a really young age continues on into teenage years, into adulthood, but just teaching them safety and skills and things that you know that they'll be okay on their own. Yeah, absolutely. And I think back to another recent podcast episode I did with um, a woman from Brain Harmony. Her name is Carol, and she is an occupational therapist who works with kids. And she said, because a lot of kids aren't getting enough of these experiences and the things that kids actually need for development, like being upside down and being buoyant in the water and balancing on things and jumping off of things and climbing, like we think of these as just fun childhood activities, but it turns out they're actually completely vital for their brain development. And when kids don't do this, um, they miss out on critical steps. And then that, that shows up as learning 
like slow learning in different areas of school um, because the brain is developing and that's how the right brain and left brain connect and how the limbic system develops. Um, and so she loves things like swimming because she's like, it's the alternating sides of the body and the alternating right and left hand. And it teaches the brain that crisscross. Um, same with things like being upside down in the water or rolling in the water or balancing. Things like that are so good for kids. So it's um, it's cool to know there's so many other health benefits as well. And I know we've been talking about your course this whole time, but um, please tell people where they can find it online. Of course, there'll be a link in the show notes as well as to, um, I just found that YouTube or the TED Talk that you mentioned with Josh Kaufman about 20 hours to learn yes. everything. I'll make sure that's there as well. Um, but let us know where to find the course. Yeah, so you can find us at kidslovetoswim.com. And there we've got some safety tips. We've got uh, some videos we've done. And, of course, access to the course that we're, we're excited about. I think it's really going to help a lot of people. And it's such a valuable skill. Everybody should know water safety and how to swim. So kidslovetoswim.com. Awesome. And, again, that link will be in the show notes if you're driving be safe. Don't worry about writing it down. You can find all that at wellnessmama.fm. Um, a couple unrelated questions that I love to ask as I wrap up are, um, firstly, is there a book that you, that has really had a big impact on your life or that you'd recommend? Yeah. You know what? I am. Absolutely. I love to read. Um, although sad to say, I don't do a ton of reading now. I do listen to podcasts all the time, but I read a book. Gosh, this is probably, well, no, this is definitely over a decade ago now. And uh, it was a fitness book. It was called uh, Power to the People by Pavel Satsulin. And at the time, I was just looking to get some more information and education on the game of strength. Spent a long time working in, in, in that field. And um, the book was great. It, it simplified strength uh, training and uh, that whole scale in regards to the, the different types of uh, strength cycles you can do, periodization, it simplified it so much that I, I was amazed. And so it did a couple things for me. It really made me, I guess, question the status quo and look at things from a different standpoint to say, okay, how can I actually simplify this, 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 and this? So I would say, honestly, in a lot of ways, the idea of kids love to swim and the simplification, I got some of that idea over 10 years ago uh, as a result of this book. Um, if you're into strength, fantastic book. Highly, highly recommend it. But it also uh, opens your eyes to other ways of uh, looking at subjects. I love that. I'll make sure we link to that as well. And congratulations, because that is a new recommendation. There's some like recurring themes of books that seem to pop up a lot. And I love that that's a new one. So awesome. um, it sounds awesome. Definitely would recommend that to people. And lastly, um, this podcast will be heard by at least a couple hundred thousand people. And that's um, so I'd love to ask if there was some advice that you could spread far and wide or give to a lot of people, what would it be and why? Gosh, that's a great question. Um, I would I would probably say that most things in life can be broken down into five steps. We, and we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but we complicate things so much as humans. But to get efficient at most things, you can break it down into five steps. And I don't want to get super philosophical here, but um, there's, I think, five steps to most things. And I think we just like to, gosh, sometimes let our ego get in the way. And talk about, show people how much we know. And really, I think 
if you want to simplify things, I think you can break life down to five steps. And uh, if you were to do that, you would look at uh, religion slash spirituality. You've got to know where you come from in order to know where you're going. Uh, the second step in life, I would say relationships. Uh, without meaningful relationships, life uh, is kind of boring, kind of sad and lonely. Uh, the third step in life, I would say taking care of your body through proper nutrition, proper movement, um, proper supplementation when necessary. Uh, the fourth step, I would say, deals with finances and contribution. Earn well so you can give well. And the fifth step, I would say, is education. And within that comes music, philosophy, etc. So I would say if you master these five steps, you're going to live a very fulfilled life. And this is obviously not a overnight deal, but I think you can simplify so many things in life and we just like to complicate things as humans. That's great. I love that. And two things, especially the relationships and community part. I feel like the older I get, um, the more I realize just how important I think so much more than so many things we try to concentrate on more in life. And having been to Europe recently, especially, I went into it trying to figure out why are they healthier? Why do they live longer? And I think even if you just look at the fact that they have stronger relationships and community, that alone goes a long way toward explaining it because we are, we're built for community. We're, we're built for relationships. And we know the statistics that when you have strong relationships um, and family ties and even just community, wherever you are, it doesn't have to be blood relatives, but just people that are like family, that's more important than quitting smoking for health. That's more important than exercise. Like it's truly important. We need other people. So I love that that's one of your steps. And I also love that you said education because I think never in the in, in history have we had such an amazing opportunity. Like you said, you can listen to podcasts all day while you do other stuff or we have all this knowledge available at our fingertips, most of it for free on the internet. If you want to like open source, take an MIT class, you can. Like we've never had access to this kind of information and it's astounding and amazing. And I think you're Right. They're easy to say and a lifelong challenge to master, but uh, it doesn't have to be so complicated. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think at this point, because there's so much information out there, shame on us if we're not trying to learn something new. You know, we, we, we get comfortable in our lives and I say, try to go outside of that comfort zone and learn a new skill. Listen to something educational, informative, and uh, question the way you live your life and try to simplify things. Yeah, great advice in the water to get out of our comfort zone a little and also in life. It's like we've come full circle, I think, in this episode. And um, I know that you are an incredibly busy person. So I'm really grateful that you took the time to share here and to pass on this wisdom to parents. Like we talked about in the beginning, I think this is such an important issue. It truly is one of the few things as parents that is actually life or death. We do need to get this right. Uh, and I really appreciate that you are putting so much work into helping parents do that and your time for being here. Thanks so much, Josh. Thanks, Katie, so much. I really appreciate you having me and I uh, look forward to talking with you soon. And thanks to all of you for listening. And I hope to see you again next week on the Healthy Moms podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time. And thanks as always for listening.